And now, a Blaze Media podcast. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and you even come for the, the French, or as someone said on my Facebook a couple of days ago, the, the Justin Trudeau. I give up. <laughs> yes, I do. I give up. Uh, impersonations. I hope you're having a I was going to say I always hope you're having a beautiful and blessed week, but let's be honest, the world we live in is so, so, so crazy. And I want to start today's show by sharing an interaction I had with one of you guys. And it was a great question and it was a great back and forth. And I always figure if someone asks a question in a certain way, Maybe I should answer it in public as well, because if one person has the question, maybe some of you all have it. And this person messaged me on Facebook and went, John, I've just found your show, been listening to all the episodes for this year alone, you know, love your work, said loads of nice little things, which is always appreciated, and said, but I'm struggling with one thing. I get the Great Reset. I get the ESG scores. I get the fear of it, but I'm an American. I don't understand why all the companies would agree to us. Why you would have a lack of competition between all these different companies and all this, these different agencies? Like, surely they want the dollar, that, you know, to go to them rather than their competitors. And he used the likes of examples of like McDonald's and KFC and different things. He's like, surely, you know, they're competitors at some level. Why would they sort of work together? And then the banks, all the banks are working together. Why is this? And I wanted to answer that question today. And I wanted to lay the groundwork for what else I want to talk to you about, for what's happening in your country, in our country, and our world right now. The answer is a very simple answer, but yeah, a very complex answer. And this might surprise you because I've never said this before. You have to understand why America is an exceptional nation to fully grasp what is happening right now. You see, there are many reasons America is exceptional. (laughs) We go through it on this show on a regular basis. But America, in theory, the idea of America that I always work to promote is built on certain principles. And one of those principles is you have a God-given right to pursue your happiness. And also linked with that is the God-given right to keep the fruits of your labor. You see, the reason our world took a 5,000-year leap, the reason our world advanced so much in 240 years since America's creation, prior than prior 
500 years, 1,000 years, 5,000 years, a million years, a billion years, whatever number you want to put in and compare it to. The reason we have advanced more as a civilization is because of the idea of America. The idea that if you have this great innovation, in America, there was always this idea that says, you know what, if you have the innovation, if you're like, you know what, if you're Steve Jobs prior to Apple been massive and go, you know what, I think we should have a phone. And it's not like the phone that we have, you know, at the time hanging on our walls. A phone that you can carry around with you. A phone that looks cool, that looks stylish. But it's not just a phone. You can text message on the phone. You can not just text message, but you can send email. You can take pictures. You can listen to your music. You can go onto the internet. You can do all of these things. It's an all-in-one machine. If you have that idea in America... The idea of America says you have a right to pursue that happiness, that no one has a right to stop you, but also that if you're successful in the American people and then if you become a worldwide company, the worldwide audience says this is something I must have. You have the God-given right to keep the fruits of those labors, that if you make a profit, you have a right to keep it. This is a uniquely American principle. Now, before I can continue and explain and get into the answer that I gave the gentleman who messaged me, I do need to specify something. And I want to be crystal clear about this. Has America ever really achieved this idea? No. You've achieved it in small glimpses. You've achieved it at different times. You can't look around at America in 2022 and go, everyone has a God-given right. To pursue their happiness, really? I'm sure in some parts, minuscule parts of the country, you could say it with race. You could say it with classes. But also you could say it on job description. You look around at some parts of the country and say, you know what, I work in oil and gas. I work in a coal mine. Are you considered good and noble? Or are you considered part of the problem? Heck, when I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago and raised the frustration of mine that we have in my family, look at the way we treat nurses today who are unvaxxed. Oh my God, they're so dangerous. So have we ever achieved that? No. We've never achieved everyone having a God-given right to pursue their happiness. But you've achieved it more than any other nation has. Because prior to America, what was the status quo? The status quo was always a bunch of elites usually government, and usually a monarchy. It's easy to look and take a snapshot of history and just blame all of the world's problems on England because there's a lot of merit to it if you read world history. If you look at the the great British Empire, the empire that never sleeps, the sun never goes down on the British Empire, that's how much land they owned that they controlled. And the king would come along, if let's say you were Steve Jobs, and you came up with this iPhone, and then it started getting a bit of success, the king would come along and go, huh, hey Stevie boy, how you doing? That's a really mighty fine invention. That's now mine. And would take it. And if the king was feeling benevolent, or queen, or dictator, or pharaoh was feeling benevolent, he would let Steve work for the king on his product, on her product. So it stifled innovation. Why would anyone want to create or innovate? Why? 
if you knew that the best you could hope for was to go work on your product for the said dictator? Would you work hard in those environments? Nope, I wouldn't. If I was working, doing all the work I do behind the scenes and doing all this show and doing all these speaking tours, I'm doing it to help save this country, save the idea of America. But I also hope one day, when I legally can, I can earn money doing it. I'm not looking to be a millionaire and billionaire. But if I started doing all this work and doing all this volunteer work, and then all of a sudden, if I gain a bit of traction, if I start selling books, if I start you know, making appearances and getting paid for them, and a king could come in and go, you can still do that speaking, but I take your paycheck. Do you think I'm going to do it? Nope. So America is exceptional because you had this idea of you a God-given right to pursue your happiness, but also to keep the fruits of your labor. That is a uniquely American principle. Now back to the question. What happens in other countries? You see, America... Anytime I say America is an exceptional nation, people sometimes go, well, prove it. Look at the rags to riches stories that you have in your country. Even if it's just in sports. The amount of people who are born into absolute abject poverty. And they rise up through the ranks. They rise up and they become multi, multi, multi-millionaires. But also, you have families in this country who are born into obscene amounts of wealth and within a generation are very, very poor. Why? Success or failure, baby. In every other nation, that is not the case. You will very rarely see an Irish person or an English person rise up through the ranks. It can be done. It's not impossible. It's just very, very rare. You see, what happens in other parts of the world is where there is more control, where there is more tyranny, where there is more government, where there is more legislation and regulation, is you see, let's imagine John owns a small business. John owns a speaking business. Well, you see, John only earns 30000 40000 50000 Heck, let's say I had a really good year. I earn $100,000. Who's going to take my call in D.C.? Do you think Ted Cruz is going to want to talk to me? Do you think, you know, Rand Paul? Do you think Mitch McConnell's going to take a meeting from me and kind of go, you know what we need? We need some regulations on speaking and what people can say. Or do you think if there's someone like me, let's say a Joe Rogan, who earns millions upon millions of dollars a year, and I'm only using it just to compare apples to apples, do you think Joe Rogan gets a meeting with Mitch McConnell? you think it's more likely? What happens? What happens is the rich get represented. This is what happens all around the world. And you see, the rich have understand that government is not a, a bad thing. In fact, if government is used correctly in their eyes, government is a very good thing. Why? Because it can safe, be a safety harbinger for you. It can keep you safe. It can keep you secure. Because if you have the lobbyists, if you have all the connections, if you have all the power, then you can write regulations to keep other people from trying to take you out, from trying to innovate you or outcreate you. Why? Because I've always said this. If you wanted to create a business, you think the first thing you would do is come up with the idea. 
if you're in the financial industry, for example, you would think, hey, I'm going to, you know, hire a salesperson or I'm going to hire, you know, a manager or I'm going to hire some, you know, person to come up with the product. Nope. In today's world, if you're in finance, the first person you usually hire is a, a compliance officer. Not to tell you what products you think are great and why you're going to be different, but to tell you what is possible. Why? Because all the big businesses have controlled the narrative, control the regulations, control who to talk to, control all the lobbyists. That is what you're seeing in the ESG. You see, the rich want a safety net for themselves. You see, why compete with the likes of you and me or a little upstart company? Why compete with them when you can just regulate them out of businesses? Why compete with a farmer? Why compete and have to negotiate on the same terms as another business? When you can just control the narrative with ESG scores, environmental, societal, and governance scores. Why compete when you can just decide who does business and who doesn't? When you can have all of these companies... And in case you're wondering, well, how did they do that? That's what the ESG model is. Environmental, societal, and governance. We all have a score. Let me give you an example. Coca-Cola. You know the brand. Oh, everyone loves a Coke, right? Well, you see, Coke has this rule. And these rules always start out so well propagandized, And they always sound with the most noble and even with the best intentions. Well, we need a certain amount of minorities on our boards. Okay, well, what's the problem with that? Coke can do what they want, right? Absolutely. But then Coke started instituting policies that, hey, anyone we do business with needs to have accurate representation on their boards. You need to have a certain portion women, a certain portion minority, a certain portion gay. And Coke has a lot of financial power. Just think of it. Imagine you're, you know, let's use my old country, Ireland, and Coke wants to distribute Coke products in Ireland. Everyone's going to want that contract. Why? Because it's kind of lucrative, but also it will get you other business because, well, if you deal with Coke, a worldwide brand, you somehow must be more reliable, right? Yep. Well, if you want our business, you got to have these standards. These are our terms and conditions. All of a sudden, ESG scores become the norm, not just in a bank, but the standards become norm throughout the industry. Why do all these businesses want the ESG and not to be competitive? Because I get it, Americans don't understand the rest of the world. or It's, it's a lot of work, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, I get it. You're busy, you have work, you have family, you have kids, you have soccer practice, you have lacrosse practice. You're busy. You don't have time to, well, I wonder what the rest of the world lives like. I know, not because I researched it, even though I partly did, I lived it. When I was growing up, and I'm an 80s baby, I'm not that old, I feel very old at times. I'm an 80s baby. You know, the first lesson, I've shared this many times, first lesson I ever learned in life, it's not what you know, son, it's who you know. I never understood that until I was a teenager. It means it doesn't matter what you know. You could have the best knowledge in town. You could have the best innovation. You could have the best idea. If you don't know the right people, it ain't getting you anywhere. 
By the way, that was taught to me, not in a way of, this is a country that sucks. It was just the way it is. This is what you have. Businesses love regulation. It's why people like my uncle in Ireland who has a business of his own and is rather successful, loves big government, loves regulation. They're afraid of competition. They're afraid of innovation. That's why big businesses want to do this. And what you're starting to see is all these small companies. Small companies in today's world have more chance of success than ever before because of the internet. You see, let's go use my old country as just as a prime example. Imagine you're a country down in the country in Kerry or Cork in Ireland. And you're down the country and you're just a person who just went through school but just has this great idea, this great innovation. Well, 20, 30, 40 years ago, it would take a massive amount of luck to be successful in Ireland because there's chances are the rich people either have thought of it or if you start getting any white ray of traction, they'll either outregulate you or buy you out. But let's say you manage to succeed over all of that. Your product is just that good. 20, 30, 40 years ago, that product would be confined to Ireland. How would he, how would, if you're, imagine, just think of it. Just think of yourself as that Irish innovator. You have this amazing product. And you've made it in Ireland, despite all the obstacles, despite all the hurdles. And then you're sitting down kind of going, well, how do we get into America? I have no idea. In 2022, and for the last 5, 10, 15 years, there's been a thing called the internet. It's an amazing invention. People can compete. Hell, when I did this show from Ireland, it was amazing. The technology, how much we've advanced. The idea that an Irish guy can sit behind a microphone, record his thoughts, up, give it to a producer, upload it to a cloud to someone in Texas. They could download it, put it together, hopefully make me sound better, and then upload it for anyone of you to listen anytime after 12 p.m. on a Saturday. That's how much it's changed. So big businesses are afraid. But also, big business has proven time and time again that they're needed. When have you ever heard the last time you're too big to fail? Remember the 2008 crash that we had? Everyone was bailed out. Oh, they're too big to fail. We cannot possibly live in a world without them. Big businesses always get their way. COVID proved that yet again. How many mom and pop stores do you can cast your mind back all the way to two plus years ago? How many mom and pop stores did you frequent? Did you give business to? How many mom and pop stores did you pass on a daily or weekly basis? And now think of it. Think of today. How many are still in business? COVID destroyed them. Why? Because the rules and regulations said the big companies can stay open because they're quote-unquote essential, but the small guy, uh -uh, you're not essential. Shut your doors. The reason, and I know it goes against the grain of capitalism, the reason you're seeing the ESG scores, the reason you're seeing things like the Great Reset, it's just a modern name. The Great Reset is nothing new. It's just new in theory. But the same plan has been around since the dawn of time. One man seeks to control another man. One man seeks to control another person's livelihood. The names change, the policies change, the end goal is still the same. 
And if you want to see it, if you want a little reason of why you should be against the Great Reset, it's a simple thing. Prince Charles, you know the monarchy, you know the people you fought and beast at your revolution to overturn it, loves it. Why? Because in 2022, the monarchy is dead. No one gives a crap what the Queen or Prince Charles has to say. But all of a sudden, Prince Charles is at great, the Great Reset, is in Davos having all these meetings. And all of a sudden, Prince Charles is cool again. And I know you're not probably familiar with English politics. He is the next king. The queen, by all accounts, is not doing very well health-wise. I got told privately she could be dead within a year. She's cancelling all her appearances. She is frail. She is old. She can't keep up to the day-to-day duties. When the queen goes, Prince Charles is going to redesign the monarchy. Not my words, not my opinion. His words. Go research them. Climate change is the exact same thing. Climate change, if, even if you believe in climate change, if you think the world needs to stop, then do it through the free market. Don't do it, do it through control. But you never see people agreeing with Elon Musk. Heck, even this president, when he's touting all going green and giving a State of the Union address, he couldn't even mention Elon Musk, who, by the way, if you believe in the green agenda, has done more for the green agenda than anyone else or any other collection. But he doesn't get respect. Why? Because he believes in the free market. He believes in making a Tesla look cool. He believes in common sense. He's even come out and said, I hate to say it, we need to start drilling right now. The Great Reset is just about tyranny and control and doing it through governments. And that's why business are, is getting involved. They see an opportunity. They see the Great Reset as their great safety net. We don't need to compete with small guys we will just out-regulate them, out-innovate them, and out-legislate them. Why compete when you don't have to? Because they have something you don't. Access to power, access to money, and they are too big to fail. of people who don't like competition who are petty who are tyrants and who just love control i do have to give a special shout out to an awesome american an american that i i i could not give praise to enough because if i was to give this american praise i i i, I wouldn't talk for two seconds that person is mitt frickin romney why the hell is this guy in the Senate? And also, and I don't like the Republicans in large, large parts. I disagree with them. And in D.C., they're horrible. I don't like the games they play. They're spineless. They're weak. But why is he a Republican? In case you don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm, I don't want to go off on this too long, I just wanted to mention it and give the guy props. Because despite the world pretty much moving on from COVID, have you noticed how COVID is like a hot potato around 90% of the world? How we talked about it, talked about it, talked about it, and now all of a sudden, it's like that hot potato, we've let it fall and we're focusing on Ukraine. COVID is no longer a thing. Despite the, the CDC saying, you know what? 
we're going to drop the mask mandate for areas like 96% of America, I think it is, or something. Mitt Romney, that amazing patriotic American. Remember all of Mitt Romney when he was running for president in 2012? Everyone was like, well, look, I don't agree with him on a lot, but he's a nice guy. No, he's not. He's your typical petty tyrant. This week, not once, but twice, voted with the Democrats. On what? First off, on a committee bill where they were discussing about having kids as old as five and as young as two wearing a mask. Now there, in case you don't know the numbers, they are the age group that is pretty much least likely to die from COVID. Despite the, the science, despite the facts, Mitt Romney said, nope, gotta have a mask mandate. Gotta have a mask mandate for the two-year-olds, the three-year-olds, the four-year-olds, and the five-year-olds. And second of all, Rand Paul introduced a bill and said, what? We need to get rid of the masks from the TSA. It got eight Democrats to vote for it, but one Republican voted against it. Who is that one Republican? Mitt frickin' Romney. Seriously? Utah, I love you. I was on, I visited your state for the first time on my last speaking tour. I hope to go back again. It is a beautiful, wonderful state. Do better than Mitt Romney. But getting back to what we just spoke about, ESG. And I want to take this in a different direction. If you've been listening to the last couple of shows, you've known I've been talking about Russia, about Ukraine. I don't want to talk too much about the politics of what's going on. Because to be quite honest, despite research, I still haven't got a clue what's going on. I have no idea what Putin is doing. It makes no logical sense to me of why he has been so weak. And it's just not adding up. But I want to talk to you today, not about what's going on in the war. I want to talk to you about what's going on in Russia. Think of the world in the last 20 years. Think of all the stuff we have seen happen. We've seen September 11th. We saw the wars in Afghanistan, in Iraq. We saw the Arab Spring. We saw many countless terrorist attacks in Europe. The 7-7 bombings in London. The Christmas Day um, rundown in, in, I think it was in Belgium, where they literally ran through a Christmas festival with a car. We've seen several, you know, lone wolf attacks in, in England and in France. We've had the, the Charlie Hebdo incident. We have had issues in Libya. We've had potentially Syria gassing its own people. We've seen the fall of Saddam Hussein. Look at all the things that's happened. Think of all the incidents, and they're just to name a few. Have you ever seen such a coordinated takedown of a country? Last week, I said last week is a special, and I encourage anyone who hasn't listened to it, listen to it. And share it with a family and a friend. If it's only the ever one episode you listen to, listen to that one. Because you need to know the war that's coming. You need to understand why America has no side in the upcoming, upcoming ideological battle. 
that the idea of America goes against both sides of this war. And that the idea of America needs to be preserved because it is the only solution. But have you noticed the coordinated attacks? These sanctions, and I'm going to choose my words very carefully, are interesting. And I believe it's something more than meets the eye. And I'm going to say what it is. When you have a major change within a company, within society, even within terrorism, it's popular to have what you call a dry run. You want to have a dry run. You want to see, you know, what's the pitfalls. You might gameplay it. It might be totally in your head. It might be, well, if I do this, you know, we've all done it. Even, even simple things like, you know, asking a girl out. You know, I'm going to go up and ask a girl, like, how, what am I going to say first? Hey, I'm Irish John. And what's she going to say? You, you do a trial run in your head, right? She'll say, hey. And, you know, I'll go, hey, how you doing? And, you know, I'll come up with a fancy chat up line. Right? I never did because I sucked at women and I just never could. And I'm lucky I'm married now and I never will have to again. But, you know, you, you, you think all these things. Or you might think of, you know, if you're going to meet someone, you know, what are you going to say? I'm going to meet Glenn Beck or I'm going to meet, you know, President Trump. You know, what are you going to say? You might game plan that out in your head like a million times. You're trying to think things through and see how you want things to go. I believe, and I don't believe Russia started this, but I believe the follow-up and the result of Russia going in after Ukraine was a, a dry run for the ESG people. Let's see how quickly we can starve an economy. Let's see how quickly and what are the pitfalls in a public-private partnership. That is words of the ESG. They're words you're going to hear a lot. Public-private partnership. Because it sounds so innocent, so noble, so good even in, in some ways... If you just look at it on paper, well, what we're going to do is we're going to have a merging in society of government and companies working together. That sounds good, right? For the betterment of our world. That sounds great. I love that. That sounds, that sounds good. That doesn't sound evil and destructive and, oh my God, terrifying, does it? Sounds good. But that's what they say. I believe they have used it as a trial run to see what can happen. And look at what's happening to Russia. The reason this should terrify everyone is because Russia has nukes. Russia is run by an evil despot called Vladimir Putin, who has proven in the past he has no problem killing people. And Russia has a long history of just killing innocent people in the millions. If you don't, if you think, well, how can you say something like that, John? What's your proof? Lenin and Stalin, go research them. They even have history in Ukraine. But look at how they have starved him. All these companies have pulled out. And what are some of the reasons they have pulled out? Have you ever noticed a reason? Have you researched a reason? They researched, I researched this and I found it very interesting. So many companies like McDonald's pulled out. So McDonald's pulls out of Russia. Why? They're terrified of the reputational impact of trading within Russia because of the conflict. Really? Who is literally... Honest, honest question. 
who in the world, not just in America, but who in the world is like, you know what? I'm going to go get a Big Mac tonight. I want a Big Mac meal. I want a strawberry shake. I don't want to supersize. I don't know. I don't eat in McDonald's, so I don't know if they do supersize anymore. I just remember that was the part of the documentary. Remember, supersize me. Who's sitting there going, I would love a Big Mac. I'm going to have a Big Mac. And then all of a sudden realizes, but McDonald's are still trading in Russia. Oh, no, I can't have a Big Mac. I am. This is totally unacceptable. I'm going to go give my business to someone not trading in Russia. What average person in America or around the world thinks like that? And even if there are a handful, because there's always a handful who have, you know, kind of out there opinions or, you know, social justice warriors and stuff. They're in the handfuls. What are they going to do? Send a mean tweet? Oh my God, someone tweeted at me. I'm, I was going to buy a Big Mac meal and a large strawberry shake tonight, but I am not. I'm giving my business to so-and-so because you're still trading in Russia. Pout, pout, angry face. So, you'll get over it. But have you noticed all the companies pulling out? Have you ever seen it happen so quickly? All the companies. Go look at the list of companies. It's in the hundreds. And what you'll find is if you look at these companies, there's a common theme. A lot of the companies believe in the ESG. Why am I sharing this with you? Because the ESG is real. The ESG is coming. What is the solution? The solution is the idea of America. We need to start innovating again. We need to start creating again. And most importantly, we need to start believing that it's not over. You see, the American spirit is different. And I don't think Americans truly get why the American spirit is different. And I'm not judging you here. I don't think you get it because you're always around people with the same spirit. But the, one of the first reasons I fell in love with your country was your people. To this seven or eight year old boy who traveled to Clearwater, Florida, I fell in love with your people who were optimistic. If you want to solve the problems of the world, if you want to solve the Great Reset, you must start with your mindset. And your mindset has changed. And not for the better. I used to love it about Americans. Americans, you know, you'd go up to an American 20 years ago, and you'd go, you'll never do that. And the American would respond, the hell I won't. I'm going to prove you wrong. Sadly, for too many people today, they are beaten down, battered, bruised. They have believed the propaganda, and yes, it is propaganda from all sides. That now you say to some, a lot of Americans, you'll never do that, and they're going, you know what, you're probably right. We need to start encouraging people. We need to start rising up again. We need to start believing that we have the answers and the problem is not that those answers don't work. It's that we have strayed from them for far too long. The Great Reset is terrifying. What is coming is terrifying. I'm doing a lot of research on a lot of different issues, trying to join the dots. But I'm not going to get behind this microphone and tell you all in one go what's coming. 
I had a conversation with my wife's daughter yesterday. She was over at the house. And I started talking to her, you know, what's about what's coming. You don't just all of a sudden lay into, well, all ESG scores, the, the end of the world as we know it, demand destruction, the Great Reset. You don't just all jump into it. You terrify her. You terrify anyone. If I told you I knew it was coming, which I, I'm getting a larger picture by the day, I would terrify you. It would paralyze you. Here's the thing. As bad as things are guard that are coming, and yes, they are coming, we have the answers. It's time we started believing in Americans again. But also, it's time Americans started acting again. I had a very interesting interaction with someone. And I don't usually share insults. I'm blessed that my interactions with you are 90% positive. But there's a few people who are, you know... Just not nice. Because it's the internet. I had an interaction with someone the other day. And this sums up the world today. And it's a world we need to change. They had heard my show. And I guarantee you they hadn't heard more than five minutes of my show. I hear you. The comment was something along the lines. I hear you blowharding about America. And all the stuff you do. What do you do? First off. What I do is none of your business. Second off, what I do, a lot of it will never be known. I do a lot of work behind the scenes. I'm not the type of person, oh, well, I help so-and-so and and I, I take phone calls from these people and I advise these people and I'm helping this person on their campaign. I don't do it. It's not my style. I might share some of the conversations I have, but I, I, it's, not my jo- it's not my personality. Heck, my mother doesn't even know the people I help. My wife knows some of them. Especially all the ones of the opposite sex. But that's not because I'm bragging to her. That's because, you know, that's the type of relationship we have. If I'm having meetings with women over the phone, on FaceTime, on Zoom, I want to make sure that she knows exactly who I'm meeting and why I'm meeting them. But that's it. So I, but on this conversation, I turned it back on the person. I said, well, just out of curiosity, what do you do for your country? Because he had called me out on my love of America. And he called me a blowhard. He said, well, and the first thing he said was, well, I post a lot of stuff on social media and memes. I can't remember what he said after that because I lost interest. If posting on social media is the first most important thing you do to save your country, seriously, we, we got to talk. And I know it's not my job to judge Americans, but... I grew up admiring the greatest generation. I have always said and saluted the American military. I always say there's a reason I don't speak German. It's because of the American military. It's because of the greatest generation. And now we've come to, well, I post a lot on social media. We need to start acting. We need to start acting and sharing the idea of America. We need to start inspiring people. We need to start being kind to one another and saying, you can do it. I don't know what you're dealing with in life right now. I don't know how bad it is, but it can get better. But also, we need to stop being being paralyzed by fear. Why? Because yes, bad times are coming. But bad times have been here before. Bad times are horrible. But they're also an opportunity to rise up. They're also an opportunity to be a hero. 
History will write about us whether we like it or not. And if I have to appeal to your ego, let me stroke your ego for a second. The history books have been written. They're writing about what you're doing and saying and thinking and doing right now. It's up to you what they write. It really is up to you. Do you want to be part of the generation of Americans who will live for 240 years with unbridled success, with unparalleled success? You enjoyed more freedom, more stuff, more innovation, a better standard of life than any other generation that has come before us. Do you want to be the generation that blew us, that had absolutely everything to lose and just did nothing do you want to be the generation and i know they're not my blood but i look at them like this do you want to be the generation that's going to hand off a dead beaten battered abused comatosed america to my kids and grandkids do you want to do that If you do, and you don't have fight in you, why would you have the courage to tell my two-year-old granddaughter that? Would you have the courage to look her in the eye and say, I'm sorry, I'm beaten, I'm battered, I can't fight for your future anymore? Or do you want to be part of a generation where we have a chance of rivaling World War II? where we get to be called the greatest generation or some other adjective that we'll be called in the future. Maybe they don't go back to the greatest generation for a while. But you want to be part of a generation that looked tyranny in the eye, that we came so close to the abyss, that the Great Reset was at our doors knocking and the American people said, not on my watch. I get it that you're tired. I get it that you're frustrated. I get that you're angry. I have probably used the F word and cursed more in the three months I have lived here than I have in my life. Why? Because I look around at complete and utter lunacy. And I also look around and I see spineless men and women. And I just want to go, oh, for F's sake. And I apologize if that ruins your, my image of you, but I'm a person. I'm flawed. I'm flawed behind the scenes. I've never said I was perfect, but I just want to go shake some people. Stand up. Fight. You can do it. What do you want history to write about you? I want to finish up today's show by talking to you and trying to help you. Get prepared. Get ready for what's coming. There was a there's a, a theory in the ESGs and the Great Reset. Demand destruction. It says, you don't need that. You don't need that. Let's just make it so expensive that you can't afford it. 
And things that you would consider commonplace, you just won't use anymore. Instead of driving, you know, if you drove like 50 miles to your favorite church, you might only drive five on a Sunday. Demand destruction. You don't need that much gas. If you had meat once, a, you know, every night, you know, you only needed five nights a week, four nights a week, three nights a week. You'd eat meat once a week and you'd be happy. Part of the Great Reset. But there was an executive order passed last week. And you know how much I love executive orders. I love them. I love them when Biden does them. I love them when Trump did them. I love them when Obama did them. They're just awesome. And totally constitutional, by the way. You know, don't let any of those right-wingers tell you executive orders are unconstitutional. They're, they're not. They're totally constitutional. Trust me. In case people are new to me and listen to my show, that is 100% sarcasm. I hate them. It's not how you... Ex- it's not how... The job of president should be done, regardless of who holds the office. But yet again, another executive order was passed last week, or signed into existence last week. And most of the people in the world celebrated. And most people I know celebrated in certain industries. That industry was cryptocurrency. Because there was fears cryptocurrency was going to be regulated. And all this executive order came out and said, now we're just going to look into it. You are going to see the world change before your eyes if you don't act. I want to share a glimpse of the future if you don't act. And I don't want to give you some solutions. ESG scores is all about being the great equalizer. Doing things the way the powerful elite say so. There's an executive order on the books that says they're going to look into it into cryptocurrency, into regulating it. They don't need to do it. There's a a ruling on the book that says we're going to look into doing a digital dollar. They already have the groundwork. They don't need to do any more investigations. They're just waiting for the right time. And for whatever reason, they feel now is not the right time to do it. But you will have a digital dollar and it will be linked to ESG. It will be linked to social justice. Let me give you an example. You have $1,000 in the bank. Well, your ESG score says you get 60 cents on the dollar. You're white. You're straight. You're married. You're Christian. You're one of those people who goes to, you know, those school board meetings and speaks out against masks and vaccine mandates. Oh, I see you vote for Republicans as well. Oh, That 60 cents in the dollar just went down to 50 cents. You see, your environmental score isn't good. I see you drive a 3.6 liter SUV. Oh, that's a gas guzzler. You're down to 45 cents in the dollar. Oh, you're one of those. You you went to a pro-life meeting and you donated to a pro-life cause. Guess what? You get 40 cents in the dollar. That $1,000 is now worth 400 in the new currency. They will also do an ESG score on the opposite side. You see, if you know anything about this country and the history of this country, reparations has been a word used in some circles. And a word that says, oh, I might I might like it, I might hate it, but it's never going to happen here. With a digital dollar, it will. If you're black, if you're gay, if you're an atheist, if you donate it to Black Lives Matter, if you drive a Prius... You might have a thousand dollars in the bank, 
But the new digital dollar, you might get 1200 or 1300 This is coming. The future of our world has been written right before our eyes. You have demand destruction. You have people coming out openly and saying what's going to happen in the future. The United Nations just come out and said the food price is going to go up by 20% in the next few months. You have Colgate coming out and saying in a few months it's going to, by summer, sorry, a, a tube of toothpaste is going to be $10. Who knows what price gas is going to be by the summer? $5, $6, $7? Anyone who tells you a number, by the way, is lying or they're speculating. No one knows. It could go anyway, but I can tell you one thing. It's 99% sure not going down unless Biden reverses his policies. What happens when this happens? If food prices go up, you're going to have food shortages. If oil prices keep going up, you're going to have economy that is dead. And you can thank everyone that has served over the last 20 years. 30 years for that. You see, there's a chance you could survive what's coming if you were sensible over the last 20 years with your finances. But the idea that in 2000 your debt was $5.6 trillion and now it's $30 trillion, both Republicans and Democrats did that. That limits the options that you have. Because of the Great Depression of, and the, the, the economic collapse of 2008 and 2009, the Fed's and their policies, there is no more bullets the Fed has in its barrel. It's got nothing left to stop inflation. Everything is going to happen. Now, I'm saying this to you to give you a glimpse of what's in my world, but also to give you some solutions. Change how you live. Make changes. But don't do radical changes. Don't sort of go, well, I've got to do one thing, and i got to do all of these things. Just make small changes. Because despite people like me getting behind a microphone saying, oh my God, really bad things are coming, you will have more time than we even I think is possible. I don't think the ESG and the Great Reset, while I think it's a massive, massive change, and it is coming, and it is not going to stop unless we rise up and explain the idea of America. But it isn't going to come in the next week or in the next month. I think it might be 2023. In fact, if the elections go badly enough, it might happen between November and January if the Democrats lose the House and the Senate. Make changes. Start buying things that you can prep for. Instead of giving you advice, I'm going to tell you what I've done or some of what I've done. Tanya has bought a load of ammo. Tanya and me have bought a load of Patriot Supply. We've bought a load of water, and we're in the process of, every week we're adding extra things. So we're adding, buying toothpaste, we're buying mouthwash, we're buying tampons, we're buying nappies for the grandkids. We're buying things like mayonnaise, we're buying salt, we're buying flour, we're buying canned foods. We're buying things that we will need, and they will be our storage. So the other day, um, Williams, I don't know if you guys have that store, Williams, they had bottles of water, two for $5, or crates of water, two for $5. I cleared them out. I think I've like 28 crates of it. That'll never be touched into. I, every time now I need extra, I buy two cases of water or five cases of water. 
We use it and then I'll buy another two or three or whatever I can afford. Buy dog food. We've got dogs. We've got cats. Buy things that you can use. Buy things that you need. But also buy things that you can trade. Start building it up now. Because what you have in a dollar now won't be worth a dollar in a couple of weeks, in a month. Instead of telling you what to do or giving you advice, I'm going to say how much my life has changed. I have changed 180 as a person since I started living here, since this crisis. I'm usually the frugal guy. How I'm living right now is I cashed in a pension. How I'm going to fund my next speaking tour and getting back on the road is because I cashed in my pension. I was always the guy that said, you know what, we don't need that much. I lived very cheaply in Ireland. Every penny I had went into savings and investments. And not investments, sorry, savings for my life, my life savings for my tour and my pension, which is my investments. That's what it went into. I've gone 180 now. I'm not saving anymore in the sense of going into investments. I have some cash on hand, but I'm buying stuff. Buying more stuff than I need because I know what's coming. Start prepping. But also, I want to finish up and give you a message of hope. It's hard knowing what's coming. But I believe we can solve it, and I'll tell you why. Because I believe the spark of liberty, once lit, is impossible to extinguish. Let me give you an analogy. Think of pure black. A pure black room. It is the darkest, most blackest room you have ever been in. You can't see anything. It's just pure black. You've lost all your surroundings. You don't know where the door is. You don't know where the walls are. All you see is nothing. And if you've ever been in one of these types of rooms, it's very disorientating. It's hard to get your bearings because you don't know where anything is. You can't see anything. You can't even see the shape of the walls or the door. Just imagine you're in that room. And then imagine someone comes behind you and doesn't scare you, but lights a lighter. And all of a sudden, you have light. And it could be a really big room. But that small flicker of light, that little flame that comes from that lighter, lights the whole room. You can see the ceiling. You can see the floor. You can see the walls. If there's any objects in the room, you can see them because of that flicker. You see, the light will always be more powerful than the darkness. Yes, that's scriptural. But it's also fact. Light will always be more powerful. We have the winning message in America. It's the idea of America. It's proven. It's tried and tested. It led to a 5,000 year leap. But not, not only that. This enemy is not smart. The arguments are so easy to make. $4 a gallon for gas. Are you happy yet? Is this what you voted for? For all the criticisms of Donald Trump. Oh, he was so rude and he was obnoxious. And oh my God, the tweets. Mm-hmm. $4 a gallon gas. I'm not a Trump supporter. My job is not telling you to vote for Trump. I'm just saying the arguments are so easy. 
Even this idiot Stephen Colbert. I'm going to use this as a prime example. We're not dealing with intellectuals right now. We're not dealing with intellectuals who actually can give a really good intellectual argument for socialism or for control or for tyranny. They're just hiding behind a mirage. They have to lie. Stephen Colbert said, I'm not worried about gas prices. And I have my Tesla. Mm-hmm. Why should you be worried about gas prices, Stephen? First off, on a side note, it's the, this arrogance of the elites is so easy to overcome. They're literally showing you the arrogance. I live in Oklahoma. How many people are in the in 50 miles of me that can afford a new Tesla right now? I'm sure Stephen Colbert could just throw 60, 50, 70, 80 grand down on a new Tesla, ever how much it costs. I'm sure he could do it, no problem. The average American, nope. Not in this economy. But second of all, forget the arrogance. I don't see, when I drive out from our house, I'll always pass different trucks. I'll pass a Dollar General truck. I'll pass a Walmart truck. I'll pass Lay's trucks. I don't see them being Teslas. So gas prices affects everyone. But here is why I want to give you hope. Because if you listen to the left, the narrative has always been against you. Well, you hate poor people. You are for the rich. You're for the millionaires and billionaires. You're for big business, you Republican. What's happening right now? Who's it hurting the most? It's hurting the poorest in society. Stephen Colbert, if meat costs an extra dollar or two dollars or five dollars, he can afford it. He's not short of money. My boss, Glenn Beck, his lifestyle isn't going to change a whole lot. People living off minimum wage, their life has changed a lot. They're going to have some really tough decisions. They're going to have a lot of questions to answer. You're going to get to a point where, can I fill up my car, my car? My tank of gas? Or can I go get some food? Can I get some food? Or can I go to the movies? And these might sound like simple choices, but to a family it's not. Life is for living. This is what's happening in everyday families. You know, because you're probably dealing with it. What is the answer? The idea of America. I don't know about you. I'm going to continue encouraging you. I never want you to feel shame. I never want you to feel like I'm looking down on you or demeaning you. But I do want to encourage you. We have the answer. If we act. Will we act? American history says we will. Why? Because every generation of Americans has had an obstacle to overcome. And you've always risen to the challenge. Sometimes a bit late, but you've always risen to it. This generation won't be the first generation to say, lay down their sword and go, I can't overcome it. But we need to start believing. The hour is late. The day grows dim. The time to act is now. Until next Saturday, we salute you, the American people. Never forget the sentiments of Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good. That's each and every one of you. Not Trump, not Biden, not DeSantis, not Republicans, not Democrats, not Kamala Harris. <laughs> her great laugh. I love her laugh. It's great because of you. 
Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.